Hello and welcome to another Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Caw and delighted to be joined by Record Sports Gordon Parks and Graham Young. Guys, how are you? It's uh, it's my favourite time of the day, seeing your cheery faces. You can't even see my face. <laughs> uh, you're away in St Gallen. Yeah, I'm beautiful, but very expensive. Graham, how you doing? Yeah, very well, Dan. Really well, mate. Um, transfer season, can't... It's good fun, isn't it? It's all, it's all fun. The transfer seem to be happening again, so no complaints. I, I think that's the best place to start because, as we record this on Thursday afternoon, um, news seems to be breaking from Russia that Celtic are closing in, or, or the reports from Russia say they've agreed a deal to sign Syed Haksabanovich, and I apologise if I'm butchering the pronunciation. Um, but playing for Ruben Kazan, um, born in Sweden, um, a 23-year-old Montenegro international. Um, he played in Sweden last year, Graham, uh, for Norrköping and got 46 goals and assists in 70 games. Mm-hmm. Um, so he certainly sounds like a talented player. Yeah, I, th- I think the right up on him as well is he's packed with flips and tricks and that's his MO, but he's played multiple positions. He plays on the left, which is obviously where Jota or Maeda can start for Celtic, but he's also played in the right and I think Ange Postacoglu gave a clue at the weekend when he was talking about maybe if one or two more come in, they need to be versatile players. And um, he definitely fits the bill in terms of that. That's what he's about. He's Celtic, obviously, a player leading the line, but there's multiple players. But the number 10, the two wide men need to be able to play in different roles. And that's apparent to watching Postacoglu as Celtic manager. Um, he kind of a bit of grounding at West Ham. Maybe some Celtic fans would maybe a slight fright obviously that's Albina Jetty was there but I think a completely different type of players this is an emerging player who's playing his best stuff where when Jetty came to Celtic um, he was off the back of a really tough season at West Ham so um, mm. similar path in that way but I think different type of players and um, as you can see he's one, of his, one of his things he likes doing you can see straight away the old nutmeg uh, likes taking players isolating them one on one a bad Jota that's hallmarks of their game and I think Celtic going into Champions League we're looking for another attacking player that's been something they've been looking at for most of the summer and he definitely fits the bill and uh, by, by the sound of it if a deal's done it'll be less than the 5.4 million that Kazan paid from last year which sounds good business and obviously with the uncertainty going on in Russia um, Celtic obviously could potentially be able to get a bit of a bargain here on a player who appears like the best football's ahead of him and probably suits perfectly the way Postacoglu wants to play And Gordon looking at um Postacoglu's strike rate, his success rate, his transfers. You just, you just need to trust him, don't you? It's so refreshing to hear that he was clear that the success rate's been great. It's uh, in comparison to some barren years. I mean, it's been well documented that Celtic over the last, I don't know, six, seven years, um, the recruitment hasn't been good enough, but it's been addressed. They've made some changes. They've always to get people there that know what they're doing. I mean, there's been some catastrophic uh, transfer windows, but that's a thing of the past now at Celtic. This boy looks as if he's got pedigree, he's a good age. Celtic's demands now in the Champions League. Uh, hopefully, it will be a long, um, it'll be months and months and months of it. They'll need that kind of backup. They need the players that can go and do it again on the Saturday and the Sunday. It'll freshen things up. Clearly, he has his finger on the on the pulse with regards to scouring across Europe and making sure that the identity of the players that he's that he's going for are young, they've got a transfer sell on value. They are hungry to prove themselves and Celtic parts are a place to do that. Mm-hmm. 
I guess we'll watch this space then. Obviously, we've still got another 12, 13 days left in the transfer window. Um, if he does arrive, Graham, do you expect that to be the last bit of business Celtic do? Um, I like stuff. I think Postecoglou himself kind of kept it open to a couple of options at the weekend, and but it would be the same premise, I'd imagine, of a player that can play multiple positions, maybe another midfielder that can play different roles, or even a defender with versatility as well. But I think that might round out the attacking options. So you would have Maeda, who's obviously been starting in the left in the league games. We know Jota can play there. A bad on the right. Um, a potential new arrival coming in there as well. So there's options on the wings. Maybe freeze up a Mikey Johnson to seek that loan move that he's probably a protracted loan move that seems like an option. Um, maybe a case of James Forrest long-term looks what comes next for him, but it just gives Celtic, as Partsy said there, that there's a profile, a type of player Celtic target, um, good age and the ability to get better as well. And um, he, 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 I think the, the core skill this um, and then, uh, the new arrival has is he likes to take players on, likes to isolate them, and that's what Celtic are really good at, and I think he'll fit that more perfectly. But as you say, back to your original point about more incoming, I think Celtic are just watching the market, might something might come late. That's what happened last year with Jordan Carter Vickers, loan to buy, that obviously turned into permanent deals. Mm-hmm. But I think it'd be that type of player, that maybe big club uh, player on the on the outskirts of the first team there. I think the more long-term targets have already been brought in, but they'll keep themselves open for the rest of the window. If you're Mikey Johnson and you pick up a deal record this morning, and you see that, that story, you, you try and accelerate your exit, because clearly they're looking for more options, and he doesn't fit the bill. I think the recruitment, if it's finished or not, Celtic could probably do with somebody can force things in the middle of the park, a bit of authority, a bit of height, a bit of strength. I think it'll be a bit light. James McCarthy, I thought, would come in and do that. It looks as if Ange doesn't believe that he is the man to do that. So if there is a vacancy, that's maybe the kind of area that I would look at. Yeah. And as as you as you mentioned there, Graham, I think I'm right in saying it was deadline day last year when, when Jota and Carter Vickers came in. So I mean yeah. we all know that anything could happen in these these last couple of weeks, so we'll see. Um, okay, since we last had the Celtic podcast, obviously Celtic uh, a thumping one at Kilmarnock. Um, Gordon, actually, from the outside, you know that all the kind of hallmarks of a of a kind of banana skin for me because the, you know the, the plastic pitch. I knew I thought Derek McInnes had set up really defensively, really kind of hard to beat his teams, but it was an incredible show by Celtic. You know, it's funny, Stephen Robinson said at Patoji a few weeks ago when his St Myrne team lost to an Aberdeen team that played well, that Aberdeen was operating in a different league. And when you see Celtic going there, to traditionally Kilmarnock, it's a difficult place to go, the pitch is atrocious. But when they get rolled over as easily, it's kind of depressing to watch it. You know, Celtic fans delighted to see everything that they're good at, that attacking verve, the confidence, the goals, but... From a Scottish football perspective, you've got to put up more of a fist than that. I mean, if you're looking at the season ahead, I don't think Celtic Rangers will be as strong really for a long, long time. And I think the commandants of this world are going to get rolled over routinely. And it's sad to see. Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely think that um, Gordon, Gordon's kind of said it there, Graham. I, I think the gap between certainly Celtic and, and the rest of the league is, or Celtic and Rangers, is I can't remember it being, being bigger. Yeah, and I think already you're seeing the difference to last year, Celtic, the three defeats in the first six games, and that was during probably the biggest change the club was going through in terms of personnel and 
that's obviously mitigated this season. It's a much stronger core. They've been able to bring in players for the summer. And I think parts is rightly. You can see the difference there at the weekend as well. And I think in praise of Celtic, what they were able to do really well is like they don't they stick to their principles perfectly in games like this. So obviously there's an a natural um, instinct to keep it safe. The plastic pitch, the ball's not bouncing, but they're playing those telling balls constantly. Came off early. Then they were just able to dominate as well from there. And um, Maeda, a case of guys Maeda, I think there's a, an appetite as well sometimes for Leela Bad at start games because of just what he brings to go at Ross County off the back of that. But Maeda as well, just the, the running, like if, if Celtic match, it's like the argument with Manchester United on Saturday night, um, outworked and outclassed by Brentford. But the basic, you would expect for your players is to match the opposition for work rate. And Maeda brings that every week. The pressing's unbelievable. It's the way he's the first man to go, chase down every player. So if you've got that kind of work rate, Celtic instantly are on an equal foot and even in challenging conditions, like really hot day, plastic pitch, and then from there they're able to play their football and there's a real desire to play their football. I think Greg Taylor right now, I think he's a man of the moment and he's mm-hmm. that inside fullback. That if you remember last year at the start of last season, how much it was a, a learning curve for players coming inside, it didn't look natural. A lot of times it was going back and forth, probably up until the Motherwell game, maybe start of October. I still think mostly games there was moments of panic, but now it just looks second nature to these players. So Celtic are able to swamp the midfield. The opposition don't really have answers for it in terms of players. And then Celtic, as I say, they're already pre existing work rates just able to take them over as well. So I think it's multiple challenges for every team facing Celtic. I think Rangers have started the season pretty well as well, but Celtic just have a defined way of playing. Every player knows what they're doing and it's bearing through every week they take the field. See that comment you make, Graham, there's a manic desire to go and press forward. And, uh, Maida sets a tone like any striker that's prepared to go and shut down and work as hard as that it does. It encourages everybody then to lift it. The intensity from the start is so impressive from Celtic. If you go and do that, you scramble the brains of defenders. They just don't know. They're not set on into the game. Is he, is he going in behind? Is he dropping short? They've got that much movement. It's the key feature of Ange, I think, for me. Is that I mean I know they've got quality players, but they've got a real desire and hunger to go and outwork teams. And if you've got that combined with with the superior ability, you've got the perfect remedy, the perfect recipe to go and uh, achieve what they want to do. Yeah, you can see. I certainly can see why Ange kind of crowbars my head in to to most of his starting elevens because, as you say, he just hunts the ball down. He leaves defenders. Not not a second on the ball, and that's in the modern game. That's exactly what you need. He doesn't um, have the same kind of class, shall we say, as others. But that quality that he has um, to set the set the tone quickly, he's some sometimes enough. I mean, he's a decent player, but he's not in that same kind of level technically as others. But what he brings is that, like I say, manic desire to make sure that they get possession. And he sets the tone. He's worth his weight in gold. Mm-hmm. And up front, Graham, um, sticking with the strikers, um, Kyogo Furuhashi, um, obviously got Celtic underway. The first goal at Kilmarnock, it was a really good goal, brilliant movement. I think his movement has always been top class. Um, but later in the game, Jackie Marcus came on and scored a, a screamer of his own. I, I feel like I feel like Jackie Marcus deserves a wee bit more of a look in than he's got or he's had at the start of the season. I think. I think we're probably it's not a dissimilar argument to where we were in the summer about it was maybe Mick and I talking about it and 
think both years maybe made the case of Jackie Marcus in Champions League games. And but when you see Kyogo, um, what he brings, he brings everything that he's been bringing since the moment he's came into the team. Like excellent movement, that threat of the run behind. So Kyogo by um, probably what he's achieved so far deserves the nod. So it's just the position Celtic are in. I know there's this argument to maybe try to find both in the team. I don't think that would probably work. Would be advantageous to Celtic at present. So Jackie, Mike, it's just because there's no injuries as well. Celtic's got a strong squad. Last season it was one in, one out a lot of times, so they were able to get runs a game time. Jackie Mack is as we is one of the most natural one touch finishers you'll see at that level. And I think when you look at he stats area in Holland as well, Holland's been fool's gold for strikers for so long. So this idea that Celtic were able to get the top score on the area divisi last year. Uh, almost felt I think a lot of fans over the years Alfonso Alves and Mattia Kesman these guys that have fought elsewhere um, there's maybe a natural kind of hesitancy but because he's a ability in the box he's he's actually the perfect Dan striker because what he does but then Kyogo's the perfect striker because the movement's so good so I think it's a kind of a, a dueling kind of decision that Postacoglu's got most weeks if I still as good as Kyogo started the season as good as he's been I think the physicality that Jackie Mack has brought in the two Rangers wins in the league last season um, would translate well to the Champions League and parts he made the point about a bit more physicality in midfield. So if you combine, I know they were after Vinicius Souza, who seems like a, a complete defensive midfielder. I think if a player like that was found, plus what Jackie Marcus brings up top, that's your best of both worlds. You would still get the high press and the, the desire, but I think Jackie Marcus potentially I'm talking again against teams like maybe like a Napoli or Tottenham at Parkhead against top teams, but there might be the tactics are right. A result there. I think Jackie Mack is potentially the guy who starts and Kyogo comes off the bench. But we are week to week. It probably is the best way to go the other way around. Kyogo to start. Jackie Mack is, as well, Jackie Mack is, by nature, you think, rough rough people up. But what he does is he's such a good one-touch finisher. Like, Commander or triggered. Jackie Mack has always got to score at the weekend. Um, but it's a, it's the best type of decision Postacoglu has got to make. And I think it's one that probably won't change but it's still been just one game a week. I'd imagine Kyogo will start against Hearts. Gordon, if you were the Celtic boss, would you stick with Kyogo at the weekend, or would you give Jackie Max a start? Just that embarrassment of riches that they have. You mean either, either, either or? Jackie Max is as Graham rightly says yes, naturally a finisher. He's probably the most lethal finisher that Celtic have. Kyogo brings everything to the party. He ties the whole the whole thing up. He's the, he's the brains of the operation, and I think uh, he holds the jersey. But once the Champions League games start, players will have to step up again. And you'll find that and you'll have to come up with different answers. Uh, and that's that variety and option. He's going to have to play horses for courses in specific games. Uh, there'll be injuries. It's just that kind of bedding in period now where there will be troubles ahead. There will be hurdles to climb. And if he's got all those variables, what a great position to be in. I do kind of agree, Graham, that um, I would love to see them both up front together because I think in a bygone era when you know 4-4-2 was more uh, in fashion, I think they both complement each other so well. You know, Jackie Max has the strength, the finishing. Kyogo's got the movement, the pace, playing in the last, uh, playing in the last defender's shoulder. But it's not going to happen, is it? I, I mean, maybe Kyogo out wide, but that's nobody's strength is. Do you not think? Sorry to butt in, but do you not think when they go away in Europe, when a more kind of uh, tactical game has to be played, a more patient game, that Maeda will be the man to fall out, and that will be a natural partnership to play away. Maybe, and hopefully, like I said, I would like to see it. I think they would complement each other really, really well. Um, but I guess we'll see. We'll see how the things pan out with the Champions League draw. Um, another guy that I wanted to, to bring up, 
uh, is of course Jota. It feels weird actually seeing just Jota. He, he doesn't really have a first name, Graham, does he? He doesn't go by anything. Doesn't need it. Nelson the form he's on just now either. That's long enough for him. And in the in, in the opening three Premiership games, he's got two goals and I think four assists so far. Okay. There's definitely been this kind of rumbling and kind of bickering on social media about who's the best player in the league at the moment. I saw Jake James McFadden and Chris Boyd talking about it in Sky Sports. McFadden was very emphatic that it's Jota. Um, and to be honest, I mean, it doesn't even seem close to me. Jota's far and away right now the most talented player in the league. Who's the argument against? I mean, what, what, who else is stepping forward? Is, it, is, is Ryan Kent the kind of... I think it seems, seems to be Ryan Kent is the one. And Chris Boyd threw up Morelos, but I don't know how you could... I, I don't know how you could justify that. Football's, football's all about statistics and what you put up there. And if you put up there just the stats that Jota's delivering, there's no argument. It's uh, Ryan Kent's stats, if you isolate them, if it is a man-for-man kind of chat we're having here. The, Ryan Kent's stats are not good enough. Jota's stats are off the chart. Mm-hmm. He's a better player, a better athlete, a better... He brings so much more. He's got a... Uh, more impact. If you're a wide player, you have to influence games. You have to influence games continually. That consistency that separates great players from brilliant players, from average players to bad players. You have to say, Jota is standing out on his own week after week. And the Kent argument doesn't hold water for me. No. And, and Graham, uh, I think Jota's, I think he's better than last season. I thought he was brilliant last season. But he seems to have come back with a clarity. You know, he's obviously got the permanent mood, move. And I'm really intrigued to see how he'll get on in the Champions League as well. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. Um, he was excellent in the Europa League last season. That's, I know he was pretty good all season, but I think a fair Faros away, Betis away as well. That was his first real chance. He was excellent that night when Celtic started fast. Um, he's got everything, hasn't he? Really, let's be honest. It's played both wings, good first-time delivery, knows how to get into the back post, does it all well. And just something about him, I think because he was the kind of prince who was promised at Benfica, um, it was kind of meant to happen to him, and he's still kind of adored by Benfica um, diehards who kind of pegged him as the next kind of uh, academy day star. And I think all that's combined that once it kind of came off at Celtic last season, maybe Clary was a good one to use there. That this is him now. He knows what he's doing. He's plays for a manager who gets the best out of him. This is a big season for him as well. He's the type of talent. And Celtic obviously Celtic sold a lot of big players in recent years, but he is the type, he fits the MO of, does really well at Celtic and big teams will come in for him because um, at the kind of European elite, because that's what he's about, he's a, he is a top winger, uh, but it's, it all rests on these Champions League games, it seems a bit uh, severe to say that, but it's about how he performs and I think he's tailor-made, his age, his experience now, to kind of thrive in the biggest stage and Celtic will get plenty of players in the tank third to um, bring a goal to it, but he's just that X factor, isn't he, he can score all types of goals, can play all types of passes and it seems he's timed now and he's very much living up to the hype. Graham, I spoke to his old coach in Portugal and he said that even from a, a young age, this is a player that wants to continue to hit levels. Now, the first level he wanted to hit was a first team level and he wants to go beyond that. It will be hitting levels again and he'll know within himself that he's got more levels to hit than Celtic and Celtic fans, enjoy him while you can because if he continues in the same vein and does deliver in the Champions League level, uh, he will move for big, big money. I, the, I mean, obviously, I don't watch Benfica every week. I know that um, 
they won last night uh, away at Dynamo Kiev and they've got one foot in the Champions League. But Benfica must be kicking themselves. Six million in this in this current climate it seems like an absolute steal. Yeah, I, th- I think in defence to Benfica here, I think after the Valladolid loan, it appeared that maybe Jota wasn't going to hit the levels that they'd hoped for as well. But the Celtic move last season alone just was the perfect team at the right time. And that's kind of obviously fulfilled his potential. You remember he has 20 coming up for 23, so um, I think it's 24 next year, actually. Um, so you've got a player who's, it's not that 19, 20-year-old. The, 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 the kind of comeback season last year with Celtic's changed everything for him. And uh, Celtic were able to get a cracking deal. Um, got to want that as well, because as much as identifying these players to get them at the right price tag. Carter Vickers is in the same bracket as that, that these are proper players, the type of players that leave the English Championship for 18 million and 17 million is the first move. They've sold it in the position, they'll be selling fees for the clubs involved, but um, yeah, John is just in that kind of perfect, perfect spot right now and he's been able to kind of bring it back um, and he's just in the kind of prime his career. I think Celtic just it's worked flawlessly in terms of of all the deals that have come off, this is the kind of perfect one. I think the Van Dijk Celtic with a lot of good deals. As much parts of me a good point about recruitment, I think it's a mixed bag for Celtic in terms of the, these really marquee players that going for big money. They've worked really well, but sometimes weren't backed up. Sometimes it became the poor windows followed by Musa Dembele's, Victor Munyama's, Virgil Van Dijk. But right now, there's a core of Celtic players who, in the next two three years, will be sold for money. And if Celtic keep up this trajectory, clever signings the much the, the way teams like Portland Benfica do it Ajax and PSE and uh, they could be in a really really strong position for the next three four year cycle because players are of a good age you, you sell them at the right time bring in more um, there's no reason why that can't continue if they get it right again and anyway with Benfica as well Benfica they've got a habit of getting it wrong in the transfer market Bernardo Silva I think Joe Cancelo as well there's been a few over the years that they've misjudged and let out the building so Jota wouldn't be the first one they've got wrong yeah, but you, you've got to look at the player himself. You talk about the climate at a football club, the culture, the environment. It speaks volumes for the way Celtic are looking after their players and making them feel. Because you can go to, I mean, who, who knows what his mindset was when he was playing in Portugal? Who knows what it was like in Spain? Certainly, if your football club fits the way that you want to be, what, what, what you expect, then it's half the battle. He's clearly happy. There's so many players at Celtic that are bringing their talents to the fore. And it has to be the right environment to do that. So Celtic should get applauded for creating that. That's not an easy thing to do. There seems to be perfect harmony at Celtic just now. There's not, um, even the players that are kind of fringe, there's not uh, rattles getting thrown out of the pram. It seems to be the culture at Celtic's a happy one. And players that are expressive, that get that kind of wee bit different about them, they can they feel comfortable to show it. Celtic fans clearly are a part of that because they embrace players that can do the that wee bit uh, of magic and I think Celtic should be applauded for that. Another kind of uh, positive headache that, that Ange Postacoglu has uh, coming up this weekend, obviously Celtic at home to Hearts and what's probably the kind of um, headline fixture of the weekend. Um, Gordon, if you were uh, the Celtic manager, would you stick with Moritz Jens after his kind of impressive showing while Starfield's been out injured? I know Starfield came back and scored last week. Do you think you'll reinstate him? I don't. I think we're talking again about the environment. I think you have to allow players to settle, and I think Andrew will be delighted that he has a player there that seems to be fitting in. I watched him come on against Norwich, and I wasn't that impressed. So clearly, 
he'll, he'll take time. You have to give him time to bed in, and this is the chance now because he's got that momentum, he's got that bit of confidence. He's a good, he's he's a physically a better option than uh, Star Starfield. Um, he looked far more switched on. I think you stick with him. What would you do, Graham? Uh, probably stick with him as well. He's been an impressive player, and I know he was linked last summer. I don't think it went to kind of plan at Lorient, and um, but you just see his stature. He can. Why would it's a perfect type of loan as well? Because look at him. He's, he looks exactly like a kind of top centre half. He's good on the ball. What he does quite well, I think already. Stephen Welsh, I think it's, it's totally underrated. I've got to be honest. With you, I think he does a pretty decent job. I don't think there's maybe an argument whether it be Celtic's first pick when others are involved. But I think it's a backup. Stephen Welsh is pretty good, especially a homegrown player. But what he does really, really well, Jens already. He's quicker with that ball than Cal McGregor. Sometimes when they're coming up the pitch with the ball, I just think he's making decisions pretty quickly. He seems to be talking well to Carter Vickers. I thought they've looked pretty sharp together. Um, just a perfect loan. Again, this for Celtic, it works right. So he's got a pre-existing relationship with Riley, but he was also raised in Fulham's academy. He knows British football. I know there's a difference between Scottish and English, but this is a guy who, none of this is a major culture shock to him. He's able to come in quickly. He's had a rubbish time of it, pretty much like Jota had. So again, parts his point about the atmosphere and the, the way Celtic run it, just he's another who's benefiting for that. Um, I, like, I quite like Starfield as well. Um, but I think Jens has got a chance here too. He's got the jersey if he keeps playing well. There's no reason why um, I, I, he, can, he can't keep it for a while because I think he's looked really, really good. But I wouldn't surprise him to go back to the old pairing at some point. Graham, yeah, so if you isolate Celtic and you look for potential problems, if there's an Achilles heel, it is that lack of height. When there's defending set pieces and corners, there's a concern. Carter Vickers is not particularly tall. Starfelt, who I agree with, he came on and looked last season and was great. But that Jens option that gives you that kind of dominance, an aggressive physical player, he kind of ticks the box there that Celtic are vulnerable because of the lack of height. He brings that and they need that. It's a huge advantage for him to try and kind of go and cement himself. And there was actually, that's, that's bang on parts of it, it was a dawning kind of realisation all night with the PSV Rangers game. I, th I felt as much as P PSV by tradition or a passing team, they just look big and strong. And I think it's a reminder if you come up, I, I know I've name checked Tottenham already, but these type of teams, every team's bigger now. Like It's not smaller players, so as much as Celtic have got kind of small fullbacks and smaller wingers, uh, they probably do. And that's when Vinicius Souza was linked as well. I thought he was an imposing player who could play in midfield Champions League nights, and Jens definitely fits that bill. Yakimakis again, I think that's the argument. Yakimakis the corners, and just a little bit, that's that's pragmatism, isn't it, at that level? It's not about changing your philosophy, because I, I genuinely believe this Postacoglu team is a more defined way to find goals than a Brendan Rodgers team, and that's not saying, that's not about who's better. At this level, I think Celtic, the way they play, low crosses into the box, might be able to get goals in Champions League at home, especially. But things like, Yen starting, Yakimak can start, maybe a bigger defensive midfielder. That might just be the difference to keep teams at bay at set pieces as well. And obviously they'll be packed full of technical uh, technical ability, but um I think there is just certain things Postacol can do to kind of mitigate the potential damage in these nights. So that's a that's a really good point for parts. I think that makes a ton of sense. I keep remembering I mean Brendan spoke about Celtic resting with the ball. And it told me a lot about his approach. And certainly, Brendan Rodgers' Celtic team was brilliant, but they didn't have that same kind of... Uh, the engine didn't roar as consistently within the team. 
is Angie's team. This team is at it constantly. There's no resting with the ball. There's an objective. I mean, Brendan's team sometimes were too much. Uh, you know, you could see them kind of changing the angle of play, retaining possession. This is a Celtic team that's got more of the direction and more a kind of intent to continuously press. Yeah, and I definitely think, just going back to the centre-half debate, I really like Starfield because I like the fact that he's proved a lot of people wrong. He took a lot of stick last year when he scored that. <laughs> it was a bizarre own goal against against Altmar, but he really came on to a game. He judges the ball well. His interceptions are brilliant. I forget the, the stat, but um, the percentage of interceptions, he was top at, you know, in, the, in the Premiership last season. Um, but having said that, I don't think I don't see how you can drop me in. Uh, aside from looking impressive, he scored two in two games. So, you know, I, I don't see how he could, he could be dropping out the team. Um, this weekend, obviously mentioned Celtic versus Hearts, Graham. I mean, Hearts have had an unbeaten start to the season. They look really good. Again, they look comfortably the third best team in the country. Normally, I would say this is, you know, going to be a tricky fixture. The only thing that I think pushes it more in Celtic's favour Hearts, as as Patsy knows, he's he's over in um in St Gallen just now, about to, to watch their game tonight. They are the team that have to juggle, you know, this tough two legged Europa League Europa League game. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's funny Celtic on a Sunday they've, they've got plenty of experience of that, but it's not what they're doing. Um because obviously it's hearts that get the Europa League duties this time. Uh, I think you're right. I think Sometimes, but you never know with games like this. Like it's, there's always a maybe there'd be more of a pressure on Hearts if it was just a traditional non-European. We need to get a result, or we're trying to improve. And they actually did all right last year. Hearts and most there was moments in each game. Uh, they obviously won the first game of the season. The the League Cup game, Celtic came out like a um, runaway train in the second half. Hearts did quite well. The game at Tynecastle in January. There was plenty of examples of Hearts doing okay against Celtic last season, but this one just feels a bit different. Celtic with this week. Preparation each time is just a bit unfair, isn't it? Because I think Angie's whole game is based around the training and the intensity of the training, and that reflects in the game. Um, whoever they line up, I think it will be pretty much the same team again because that's just the way it's been. Um, I, don't, I couldn't see many changes, and um, just their hot favourites. But in saying that, I think Hearts have got every chance of doing well in Europe, so maybe um, a short term setback might be worth a long term gain for Hearts. But um, I just Celtic at home, they've just it's. The pitch is too big, the players are too wide on it, and there's just too many questions throughout 90 minutes that most teams can't answer. And um, I'd be surprised if Celtic don't. Um, you know what? I don't think it's going to be hammering, but I think it was every chance of convincing one. I'm just thinking out loud here, but obviously it's it's a kind of it's kind of strange for Celtic to have such a placid, relaxed August. Normally, it's really frantic and really high pressure, tense qualifiers. I don't, I'm right in saying that this year's winner of the Premiership, it's not guaranteed yet that they'll go into the Champions League next season. It's not guaranteed yet, is it? I know I'm putting you both in the spot, but I think Scotland's coefficient still needs to or needs to maintain where it is. Graham, you might know a bit more. Um, yes, um, I, I, you, you have put me on the spot there because I, I think, think there's variables. Uh, I think there is variables. Just to the coefficient's getting getting dragged through the mud at the moment. With Scottish teams in Europe, Motherwell, I was in Sligo, abysmal. Dundee United, atrocious. And in the last, since the start of last season, Scottish clubs have played 25 games away from home in Europe. 25 only one. 
that is a start that needs to change if the coefficient is going to be improved it needs to get better sorry Graham. sorry Gordon 25 games away how many did one four four that's mad and Graham, I was saying to, to Gordon before we started recording someone said to me the other day that Celtic haven't won a European two-legged knockout tie since Barcelona in 2004 and I thought that can't be right but I think it is no, that's that's a that's a that's a right that's a correct stat, mate. That's that's bang on. Uh, and they beat Tepleche in Barcelona all three or four seasons since then. It's been to be fair for the first couple of years it was okay because they were losing it maybe a Milan or a Barcelona in the last sixteen Champions League. I think there's mitigating circumstances, but mm-hmm. um, there's been I think the Zenit tie. There's a chance to go through under Rodgers and wow. uh, a few opportunities since and a few disappointing campaigns mean they're not they're not even getting the group stage. So. Um, yeah, and obviously with next year, um, highly likely the winner's got to go straight into the Champions League group stage. It's there's a real run here for a team that's on both Celtic Rangers to try and uh, seize control, obviously. And I think Celtic, with the Champions League guaranteed, Rangers are obviously trying to get there. Uh, it's it's a big big opportunity, and there's um, it's all about the season first and foremost. But there's a bigger picture here with the the shift in the coefficient in recent years, so. This might be the start of a, a new run in the Champions League, which was commonplace 15 years ago when it was a regular occurrence for Celtic and Rangers. Absolutely. Um, guys, I could I could stay and talk to you all day, you know I could, but I think that's probably um, about all we've got on today's Record Celtic podcast. Um, Gordon, Graham, it's always a pleasure. Daniel, thank, thank you very much. See you when you back. I should say, I, safe travels, Gordon, and I should say for everyone listening, you can follow us obviously on Facebook uh, at record under slash sport on Twitter and at daily record under slash sport on Instagram. And we'll be back next week. Cheers. Mm-hmm.